It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. I'm Ashley Webster. I'm Kennedy. I'm Jason Chaffetz, and this is the Fox News Rundown. Thursday, January 11th, 2024. I'm Jessica Rosenthal. It's a busy week for the president's son. After causing a congressional committee meltdown Wednesday in a contempt hearing, he's facing felony tax charges in a Los Angeles courtroom today. Hunter's being arraigned in California on these tax charges. Well, that'll get some attention, but it's all going to be framed now within the circus that they produced. I'm Dave Anthony. Congress is on deadline yet again to avert another possible government shutdown. And some Republicans would rather it shut down than approve short-term funding that increases deficit spending. This is a year like none other. And, and unfortunately, timidity and half measures are not what's going to save this country. And I'm Dr. Rebecca Grant. I've got the final word on the Fox News Rundown. At a hearing where Congressional Oversight Committee members were considering a resolution to hold Hunter Biden in contempt, Hunter Biden himself showed up in the audience section, sitting next to his attorney, and some Republicans just about lost it. You are the epitome of white privilege, coming into the Oversight Committee, spitting in our face, ignoring a congressional subpoena to be deposed. What are you afraid of? South Carolina Republican Nancy Mace said Biden's defiance of a subpoena last month should result in him going to jail right then. You're here for a political stunt. This is just a PR stunt to you. This is just a game that you are playing with the American people. You're playing with the truth. Democrats like Florida's Jared Moskowitz insisted that the Oversight Committee chairman had said Biden could testify in an open hearing, not just a closed door deposition. I'll make this bipartisan. I'll vote for the Hunter contempt today. You can get my vote. You can get my vote. But I want you to show the American people that you're serious. Here is the subpoena to Representative Scott Perry, who did not comply, I'd like to enter this into the record. Here is the subpoena to Mark Meadows, I'd like to enter this into the record, who did not comply. Here is the subpoena to Jim Jordan, who did not comply with a lawful subpoena, I'd like to enter that into the record. As Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene was about to speak, Hunter and his attorney Abby Lowell got up and quickly left the room. Lowell accused Republicans outside the hearing room of trying to move a political needle with this contempt hearing. The Republican chairs today then are commandeered an unprecedented resolution to hold someone in contempt who has offered to publicly answer all their proper questions. The question there is, what are they afraid of? He took no questions and rushed off down the hall with Hunter in tow. Fox Business correspondent Hillary Vaughn was able to catch him, though. Why did you put your dad on speakerphone if he had nothing to do with your business? You put him on speakerphone multiple times to talk to your business partners. Why did you do, why did you do that? As they rounded the corner, Hunter asked Hillary, do you have a dad? Do you take his calls? Last month on The Hill, Hunter said at a brief press conference, There is no evidence to support the allegations that my father was financially involved in my business because it did not happen. He says Republicans just don't want to hold a public hearing. So will the younger Biden eventually testify? He's repeatedly refused to comply with the terms of the subpoena. The subpoena called for a deposition, a deposition where he sits down behind closed doors with staff attorneys. This is pretty par for the, the course. Carrie Kupecker-Bahn is Fox News' legal editor and was counselor to former Attorney General Bill Barr. 
The committee has said that if he does that, they are happy to have him publicly testify, but he keeps resisting that. So I think the next step at this point will be for the committee, then the House, to vote on a contempt resolution, and then that will be referred to the Department of Justice. And at that point, it will get especially interesting because then DOJ will have to make the determination whether or not they're going to prosecute the president's son for contempt of Congress. Former federal prosecutor and Fox News legal contributor Andy McCarthy, who you were on with on Wednesday, he said that he doesn't think Hunter's afraid of being held in contempt, right, that the Justice Department won't prosecute him because he said specifically that Hunter's facing two federal legal cases that could result in prison time. One of those hearings is set for today, Thursday, in Los Angeles on tax evasion charges, and some of those are felonies. There's another case in Delaware um, uh, regarding the, the firearm charges, right? Do you think there's mm-hmm. any, you think that's possible that, that he doesn't get, you know, prosecuted or, or the Justice Department doesn't bother with pursuing contempt charges? Well, I agree with Andy that on the list of legal troubles that Hunter is currently facing, contempt of Congress is the least of his worries. However, I do think the Justice Department is going to be sensitive about the appearance of not prosecuting him because they historically, and Andy's right on this, historically, the Department of Justice has not prosecuted contempt. And people joke that if you know you lie to Congress or you blow off a subpoena, there's a referral made to DOJ and, and it dies. It goes there to die and no one ever sees that again. And that usually has been the case until the last couple of years when DOJ decided to prosecute to former top Trump aides, Steve Bannon and Peter Navarro for contempt. They are really going to be under significant scrutiny if they don't apply that same standard to the president's son. And so I do think that it's more likely than not that they would choose to do so, given the outcry that would ensue about a two-tiered system of justice if they did not move forward with it. You were noting that, that Wednesday was the deadline for the White House to submit information about Hunter defying the subpoena to testify behind closed doors. And and, and, and during the hearing, Congressman Jared Moskowitz said um, before Hunter left the room that Oversight Committee Chairman James Comer had given him the option to testify in public and that that's on video. Even if it's true, the paperwork is what's important, right? Like what was yes. written down was subpoena yes. for a deposition. That's what he has to answer to. Correct. And anybody can, they don't have to believe us. They don't have to believe a Democrat or Republican or anyone. Anyone can look for the, can find the subpoena for themselves on the internet. It's right there. It's clearly marked for a deposition. And I made this analogy earlier on the channel that can you imagine if we, when we were back in school and we had a deadline and it was say a Friday for a written paper on a particular topic and we went to the teacher and said, okay, we'll, we'll do the paper, but it's not really going to be a paper. We're going to make it a video project. And, you know, we're going to submit it maybe in a few weeks from now. The teacher would laugh and say, well, one, (laughs) that's not how it goes. And two, if you do that, you'll fail. That's more or less what Hunter has done here. It's the issuer of the subpoena who calls the shots, not the recipient. The subpoena was very clear. Typically, you know, these things are done and there's supposed to be some good faith negotiations around it. And I would say that that's what Comer and Jordan did. They tried to meet in the middle with saying, yes, sit down for this uh, deposition with our staff attorneys. And then you're more than welcome to publicly testify. So there was that movement towards the middle. Hunter has repeatedly rejected that. And, you know, I think the next step is just them moving forward on this contempt resolution. Do we know if the White House complied with, with that deadline, uh, with any, any information? <laughs> that, to me, is more of a story than even Hunter's possible defiance. And the reason being is that since the White House press secretary 
did acknowledge that the White House was aware what Hunter was going to do when he originally blew off the congressional subpoena, it instantly raised a whole host of questions. What did they know? Did they advise him a certain way? Because absent the White House or Joe Biden telling Hunter, no, you need to comply with the subpoena. You should not reject it or I'm sorry, blow it off. There's a possibility of obstruction question then certainly at a minimum Uh. obstruction um, issues are raised and obstruction could be a route that Republican House Republicans take as far as their impeachment investigation goes. That's why this uh, request for information to the White House is so important because it could lay the groundwork for impeachment on obstruction grounds and during the White House press briefing when the press secretary was asked about well did the White House know what Hunter was going to do today because you said he knew the White House knew last time she refused to answer so what what do you think then all of this was showing up like that at at the hearing Wednesday and and he left so quickly was it Nancy May said it was just a stunt was that what it was it was a stunt, but it was a bit of a desperate one. You know, why is Hunter and his lawyers so concerned about him sitting down behind closed doors with staff attorneys? I think it's possible that they are concerned that if they were to sit down with serious lawyers asking serious questions, it may make Hunter more vulnerable than he already is. Uh, they would be able to get into all the nitty gritty of the everything from China to art to all of the various things that Hunter has been involved with over the years. And so I think there's a fear there. So they're making a calculation. We'll risk contempt of Congress. We'll risk being prosecuted for contempt over having to answer questions that could put Hunter in far more serious trouble and legal jeopardy uh, than he already is. And I would also say, you know, Hunter's being arraigned in California on these tax charges. Well, That'll get some attention, but it's all going to be framed now within the circus that they produce Mm -hmm. and this intentional attempt to conflate the issues to the public. Yeah, it just struck me like if you're not afraid of being held in contempt and this is like a, you know, a sideshow to you, then why show up at all? It's psychologically just interesting to to watch. I don't know what to make of it. They know that the Republicans are going to vote in favor of, of holding him in contempt. So why not do everything in their power to make it appear to the public that the Republicans are doing this for, you know, political reasons or reasons that are untoward? Uh, So that's what they did. They were there. They wanted to control the narrative. They wanted to set the story in people's heads that even if he is held in contempt, even if he is prosecuted, even if he, you know, when he is arraigned, he is convicted of these tax charges, that it's tainted because of, quote, the Republicans process. Okay, just a couple more for you. So Hunter continues to deny that his father was involved in his financial dealings, right? He said that on Capitol Hill last month. And that's what this is about, right? Like how involved his father, the president, was in all of this. And and Hunter told Fox Business reporter Hillary Vaughn when she asked why he put his dad on speakerphone during business meetings, he said to her, do you have a dad? Do you answer his calls? It sounded like a concession of sorts like, it, that he it did, did in fact do this. It did. And as we've reported for months now, the messaging goalposts have repeatedly changed with all of these narratives. You know, first it was, I've never spoken to my son about business dealings. Then it was, I've never made money off of my son's business dealings. And the message keeps changing. And and the question is, is why? And I've, I've always just thought it was an odd thing 
for Joe Biden to say. Forget the fact that he's president, but it's an odd thing for a parent to say about their child, whether the child is an actual child or an adult, that they've never spoken to them about their business dealings. And most parents ask their kids, hey, how's business going? (laughs) And I've wondered (laughs) if the reason that Joe Biden has doubled down on this strange statement Let's assume let's assume it's true for a minute. It's it's hard to believe, but let's assume that it's true. The only reason you would say something like that is because you're suspicious that there is a problem and you actually don't want to know. Mm. Why else would you go out there and say something so extreme that is just that departs from the norm of of how parents and children normally speak with each other? Interesting. Yeah, it was so definitive, right? Okay, so mm-hmm. finally, just so we can inform our listeners and remind our listeners really about what this is all about, right? This is about what James Comer and Republicans say is this mountain of evidence that really amounts to a lot of smoke, but not fire yet, right? And it's that Hunter and his uncle and a business partner set up these shell companies. They did business with companies in China, Ukraine, Kazakhstan, even the wife of the former mayor of Moscow. And through these shell companies and various family members, money eventually got to President Biden after his son used the the family name, but did like little to actually earn the money he got, um, including sitting on the board of the Ukrainian energy company in Burisma. Did, is that the summation of this? Is that that is the allegation here? Yeah, I think so. And, you know, one thing we need to remind our listeners is and this is I've this is very frustrating for people on both sides of the aisle. I, I contended with this all the time when I was at the Justice Department, is that just because something's dirty or unseemly doesn't make it illegal. And so right now we've looked at, a, you know, we've seen a lot of mounting evidence about suspicious behaviors, you know, trading on the family's name, all of that, not necessarily criminal or anything like that. Where it does become a problem, though, is if U.S. policy or U.S. decisions when Joe Biden was vice president were impacted by what mm-hmm. his son was doing. Carrie Cooper Garbon, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Hey, folks, it's your man, Keyshawn Johnson, here to talk about Angie, formerly known as Angie's List, your go-to home services, marketplace for getting all your jobs done well. Now, you might be wondering, what exactly is Angie? Well, let me tell you. It's the nation's largest home services marketplace, connecting over 150 million homeowners with skilled professionals to tackle any project, big or small. As a homeowner myself, I always have things I want to work on for my house, whether it's general home renovations or fun projects like putting in a pool. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it a breeze to research, compare, and hire pros, ensuring every job is done well. Whether you're fixing a leaky faucet or planning a full kitchen renovation, Angie's got your back. And get this, folks. Angie's pros aren't just any old contractors. They're your neighbors, often running small businesses right in your community. Plus, they've been rated and reviewed by others in your area. So you know you're getting quality service. So why stress over home projects when you can turn to Angie? From finding the best price to scheduling a pro at your convenience, Angie's got you covered every step of the way. So get started today at Angie.com. That's Angie.com or download the app today to get started on getting all your jobs done. That's Angie, 
your trusted ally in home services. Pull up a chair and join me, Rachel Campos Duffy. And me, former U.S. Congressman Sean Duffy, as we share our perspective on the discussions happening at kitchen tables across America. Download from the kitchen table, the Duffy's at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you download podcasts. This is Dr. Rebecca Grant with your Fox News commentary coming up. Here we go again. The countdown is on in Congress toward another possible government shutdown. The first funding deadline is in eight days. Then a larger shutdown looms if there's no budget deal by February 2nd. If House Republicans bend to the whims of the hard right and erode the, can corrode the appropriations process with poison pills and extremist proposals, then they will be responsible for moving us closer to a shutdown. Democratic Senate Leader Chuck Schumer has worked out a bipartisan agreement with House Speaker Mike Johnson on a budget plan, but... They're running out of time to approve it. So some lawmakers are pushing for a funding extension called a continuing resolution. Congressman Matt Rosendale is allowed no on all of it, just like he was in September. When short-term spending, then House Speaker Kevin McCarthy worked out with Democrats, cost McCarthy his job. I'm very frustrated. Matt Rosendale is a House Republican from Montana. Congress passed the Budget Act of 1974, which breaks the uh, government funding into 12 separate appropriation bills. And unfortunately, Dave, they have only passed those 12 bills on time since 1974, four times. And they completely disregard the process, which means that Government ends up being funded through omnibuses or continuing resolutions, which is why Congress is always able to sneak all of this additional spending in. And the problem is now, Dave, that that we are facing just an imminent threat, okay, at, at $34 trillion. Now, where are you on the process of these 12 appropriations bills in the House? The House was able to pass seven of those appropriation bills. Uh, they have been sent over to the uh, Senate. Uh, we have five remaining bills that, that we need to pass. Uh, the committees have done their work. It's up to leadership to allow us to get this out to the floor, discuss, debate, amend, and then send them over. Now, McConnell, the minority, the Senate leader in the Republican side, he has said there's a misunderstanding that in the House, they don't have some of the same parliamentary slow process procedures that they have in the Senate to pass these different appropriations bills. And it could take weeks to do that. So that's why he says you need a continuing resolution to fund the government short term while you finish those 12 different bills. What is wrong with that idea? What is wrong with that idea is that law calls for the House to deliver the 12 appropriation bills by June 30th. We are still dealing with last year's bills. Yeah, and so you're three and a half months into this fiscal year already, still still dealing with these same issues. Now, the agreement that House Speaker Johnson and Majority Leader Schumer worked out to try to do this together and avoid the shutdown in, what is it, I guess, eight days or something like that, a partial shutdown of some of the government. What is it that is wrong with that? Is it, again, this omnibus of putting too much into one bill? Is that what the problem is? Two things. Number one, you're trying to put too many things into one bill. Number two, um, it's the number is too large. 
we were targeting a $1.471 trillion uh, total for discretionary spending. Now, keep in mind, that's not total spending. Total spending is going to be in the neighborhood of $7 trillion. But you have mandatory spending, which, again, Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, veterans benefits, all that stuff is on autopilot. And, and that's it a will huge chunk to- of the budget, isn't it, Congressman? It's, it's the vast majority of the budget. And, and all of that will continue to be funding regardless of what Congress does. And that's why when they say shutdown, they, they, they're being disingenuous and dishonest. Most of the government, 85 percent, will continue to be funded. So they're talking about uh, almost a, a $1.7 trillion discretionary spending where we were trying to get it down to $1.471. Hmm. To put it in perspective— If you eliminated 100% of the discretionary spending, which is all that Congress really deals with, if you eliminated 100% of it, we would still be running about a $1.5 trillion structural deficit, adding that much to the national debt every year. If we eliminated everything, and clearly we're not going to do that. Yeah, and I... You know, you talked about if you got rid of all of the spending, we'd still be in deficit. So that leads people to wonder, well, what could you do to stop the trillions from adding up over and over again? And that brings us. That's to, where you need to be honest with the American people. Yeah, and but say, nobody wants to touch this? Social Security, do they? Or nobody right. wants to touch Medicare, right? I mean, people that isn't that supposedly the third rail of politics? That's the third rail of politics. But everybody talks about uh, uh, the threats that we have around the world. I'm telling you, in five years, Dave, the national debt is going to be at 50 trillion dollars. And in order to service the interest on that, is going to consume 50% of all the revenue that we collect. If you think we're having problems about trying to figure out where to make reductions in spending now, what are we going to do in five short years when 50% of the revenue has to go to interest payments? Wow. (laughs) That is mind-boggling, actually. Yeah. It's a reality. And that is a national security threat. Let's go ahead a week. If there's a continuing resolution that is introduced and is passed by the House, Democrats going along with some Republicans, and it gets through the Senate, and we do what we did back in early October. You have a new speaker, Mike Johnson, who would have done what Kevin McCarthy did. Would we have another issue with him like we had then? I think that there are some very, very deeply concerned individuals right now about um, what he is doing and who he is getting his counsel from. Mike Johnson is a a solid guy. He's a conservative guy, and he knows the right thing to do. Okay, so Unfortunately, you like him as your new surra- speaker. You like him. He has surrounded himself with very, very weak staff that are giving him bad counsel. And if you're willing to take bad counsel from folks and be led down a path, then you have to suffer the consequences of those decisions. You were one of the eight Republicans who helped to get McCarthy out. Do you think that could happen again? I don't know. Uh, there's going uh, you, th- th- this is a year like none other. And and unfortunately, timidity and half measures are not what's going to save this country, Dave. But when people ask me every day, what can we do about this? We need people across the nation to call their representative up and say, please do not support this increase in spending, this continuing resolution. We need to secure our southern border. We need to reduce our spending. 
Congressman Rosendale is also leading the way on something else. He's filed a resolution to impeach Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin. In addition to the House effort to impeach the head of Homeland Security, Alejandro Mayorkas, over the record surge of illegal immigration. The issue for Austin is a controversial trip to the hospital New Year's Day that dragged on and on. And President Biden didn't even know about. He was not informed until last Friday that Secretary Austin was in the hospital. And National Security Council spokesman John Kirby admitted on Tuesday. He was not informed until this morning that the root cause of that hospitalization was prostate cancer. And a lot of members of Congress are calling that unacceptable. We've got bases around the world, certainly in the Middle East, that are under attack. That We've got a conflict raging in, in Israel that, that they are looking to uh, us for support. We have elevated problems in Iran, in North Korea. We see China threatening to invade Taiwan. There are major problems that are taking place around the globe. And he literally went into the hospital to have surgery, did not inform the president uh, whether he was sedated, whether he was, uh, how long was he out of commission? We understand now that several days afterwards, he uh, contacted his deputy, Kathleen Hicks, and said, oh, by the way, I'm going to need you to be on standby here for the next couple of days. This was already three days into this process. That is dangerous in and of itself. But then when you compound that with the terribly botched withdrawal from Afghanistan that he was responsible for, where we lost 13 service members. And then you go back another year where he allowed a Chinese spy balloon to enter American airspace over the Aleutian Islands, travel over Alaska, over Canada, entered Montana airspace, which I'm intimately uh, aware of, he tried to d- deny that it was a spy balloon and then went on to say that it couldn't collect data. We now know that it could collect data and images about what was taking place beneath there. And then went further to say, and if they did collect these images, that it could not be uh, transmitted to China. We now know that was a lie. We have cellular information that shows that that information was being transmitted to China. Again, we have a pattern of actions by him to mislead and to lie to the American people and to the president of the United States. And I certainly think that has compromised our national security to the point that he certainly it warrants being impeached. All right. The hospitalization is the straw that broke the camel's back for you then, right? That is correct. And look. While I wish him a long, healthy life, I wish it in the private sector. It is time for him to be removed from that um, uh, position. Would you also vote yes if there was an impeachment vote in the House for Secretary Mayorkas? Oh, absolutely. He has completely disregarded the rule of law and has compromised our national security. I, I am gravely concerned about not only the 8 million or so illegal immigrants that have had encounters on our southern border during the Biden administration, and, and 2 million have snuck in as gotaways, we, we have a serious national security threat. He says that uh, he's asked money from Congress for more help at the border, and he says that the entire immigration system 
is broken, and it's up to Congress to fix this. Alejandro Mayorkas is completely ignoring the rule of law and is in violation of his oath of office and should be removed immediately. CBP has asked us, please don't send money down here. Enforce the laws. Get ICE to deport people. Stop this asylum where people are coming into our border and falsely claiming asylum status. All we're doing is bringing in people illegally and creating a permanent underclass and a slave trade that the cartels and others are being enriched from. Republican Congressman Matt Rosendale from Montana. Great to have you on. Thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for having me on, Dave. Hey, it's Will Kane, co-host of Fox and Friends Weekend. Join me as I share my thoughts on a wide range of topics from sports and pop culture to politics and business. The Will Kane Podcast. Subscribe and listen now at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com. It's time for your Fox News commentary. Dr. Rebecca Grant. What's on your mind? The Pentagon is finally releasing details about Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin's multi-day hospitalization related to prostate cancer. But it's all left me wondering, what did Xi Jinping and Vladimir Putin learn from this embarrassing fumble? Now, Austin's been a huge success at keeping together the 50 nations who support Ukraine, and he's also been deeply engaged with Israel. But this slip was costly for the USA. First, She and Putin will be wondering if American nuclear command and control was ever compromised. The standard procedure is to swap in a replacement for the Secretary of Defense in the chain of command if the SECDEF is briefly unavailable. The President, Secretary of Defense, and combatant commanders travel often. If they have to launch nuclear weapons, they convene a threat conference, uh, like a phone call, to execute the orders. Honestly, they can do it from anywhere, except the back of an ambulance, or the intensive care unit if one key leader is in severe pain. Officials in the military chain of command and control don't get the same medical privacy rights, especially when their duties include nuclear weapons. Captains of nuclear submarines can't go off and have mystery medical emergencies. They have to make plans and hand over command. So even if nuclear command and control remained intact, Xi and Putin saw that U.S. national security decision-making can choke. This lapse was a crucial tactical indicator for China's Xi Jinping, who will look to blindside Biden if he tries a military move against Taiwan this year. It took a week to figure out how to handle Austin's medical emergency. The Pentagon won't have a week if China goes hostile against Taiwan. Austin seems also is not proactive. This is hardly a surprise to anyone who has watched American foreign policy over the last two and a half years. What I mean is they have no instinct for looking down the football field and reading the defense. They aren't trying to stay one step ahead of China, Russia, or anybody else. How easy it would have been to release a statement before Christmas saying that Secretary Austin would be on medical leave for several days while another official assumed his duties. America can't afford to be so clumsy when China is racing to topple us as a global superpower. I wish Austin well, but as Senator Jack Reed said, 
the lack of disclosure must never happen again. Huh. And I wholeheartedly agree. I'm Rebecca Grant for Fox News. You've been listening to the Fox News Rundown. And now, stay up to date by subscribing to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com. Listen ad-free on Fox News Podcasts Plus on Apple Podcasts. And Prime members can listen to the show ad-free on Amazon Music. And for up-to-the-minute news, go to foxnews.com. Hey, it's Clay Travis. Join me for Outkick the Show as we dive deep into a mix of topics. New episodes available Monday to Friday on your favorite podcast platform and watch directly on outkick.com forward slash watch.